Hey, a pleasant good day, everybody. Welcome into the Overtime Heroics Hockey Podcast. I'm Joe, joined by Luke and Frederick, as this is our first ever episode of the Overtime Heroics Hockey Podcast. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm doing very good. How about you? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for asking. Uh, Frederick, how are you doing out there in Denmark? <laughs> doing very good. Um, currently, just uh, kind of taking in uh, my first podcast experience and uh, yeah, having a good time um, so far. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You definitely have the perfect accent to talk hockey. I mean, <laughs> definitely. Um, but we're going to get right into a huge topic soaring around the league right now, which is Pierre-Luc Dubois and what's going on with him, Torts, and all things everywhere with the Columbus Blue Jacket. And I'll turn this one over to Frederick first. Um what are your thoughts on this whole scenario? And also, how would you handle it if you were a Blue Jackets employee? Uh, first of all, chaos. Uh, uh, like, is there any other word than chaos? This is just a such a weird, weird situation because he recently signed the contract. He, there was all this off-season controversy. Will he sign? Will he not? But that tends to always be there. Once a player signs the contract, usually that means, okay, they signed the contract, they're going to do it. They're going to give an effort. They are immediately going to ask for a trade. This is so abnormal. It's so confusing. And how you handle this is, is it's such a difficult situation because I'm sure most people who watching this um, and listening in have seen the clip on Twitter where you see Pierre Dubois last shift, most likely for the Columbus Blue Jackets. The effort of that shift is laughable. It's pitiful. And you see a player who who doesn't play for the team on the front, you have to trade him. Like, you can't keep a player like that who doesn't give an effort, who doesn't work hard, who doesn't fight for the team, who doesn't go into a board battle 100%, and who just lacks the days you go around. You have to trade a player like that. So, again, it's a difficult situation because it's, it's coach versus player, and for the most part, it's going to be the player that goes in that situation, even if he is a star player. Yeah, I agree with what you said. It's definitely hard when um, your best player really on your team doesn't even want to be on your team. And when a guy wants out, you definitely, for the sake of the mentality of the club, do need to move him out, just like uh, in the offseason Montreal did with Domi. But, Luke, what are your thoughts on the situation of Pierre-Luc Dubois, and how would you handle it if you were an employee? This really reminds me of the Artemi Panarin scenario and also the McNash scenario where these are two big players that Columbus needs to have. But when in the future you realize you see how difficult they are to handle, they are, it, you saw exactly what the Blue Jackets did. They, they traded both of them to the Rangers and ended up working out over there. This is a really big scenario for the Blue Jackets to really try to make the market um, a little more better by trying to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois to a maybe different market. And this is still a very poor handling on the Blue Jackets part of the idea. Because like you said earlier, Frederick, they gave him a contract extension, and yet he isn't providing the effort um, that the Blue Jackets want. And I feel like John Tortorella isn't really making that any better as well with the way he, I feel like he's shooting him. So this is a very poor handling. If I was the Blue Jackets, I would try to trade into a market where he could really pan out. A, a great a great team that is lacking a really good center. Um I don't know, like a big market. That I don't know, a big market team needs a lot of centers, but I, I, I'm thinking that it should be where if he's going to have a lot of effort, because I really think in Columbus he isn't working out as much as the Blue Jackets wanted to anticipate, and this is a really bad look on their part. Yeah, I agree with you with that. I feel like if he gets traded, he's probably going to get moved to a team that's at least on the bubble, if not a, a very much contender, not a random bottom of the league like Arizona or something like that club. I definitely agree with you on that. The big thing here, though, is we have to realize when a guy just doesn't want to play for your team and you see that effort out on the ice, especially from a guy that's supposed to be a leader on your team, that trickles down to the rest of the team. Because you have seen the Blue Jackets, they're five on five play has been very lacking <laughs> so far to start this oh. season. So, like, and a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that the guy that's supposed to be one of their leaders has no interest uh, being on your team. So I agree with both of you. It was definitely uh, dealt with in a bad way. And I think it kind of 
open Pandora's box when Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted to keep it in-house and then all of a sudden Torch went on NHL Network Radio or whatever it was. I think it was NHL Network Radio. And yes. Then, and then blasted him. So I feel like that opened Pandora's box for this too and actually screwed over your team because what John Tortorella effectively did there too was lower his trade value. Because now you now whoever's calling knows he has to get out of there fast. So do you think they're going to give you an extra poster or an extra pick for him? Heck no. So that's the other way that I look at it, too. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think what Tortorella wanted to do was light a spot on the Pierre-Luc Dubois. And again, Tortorella is a crazy coach. I don't think that's a secret to anyone in this league that he's not the easiest coach to work for. Because he demands 100%, and if you give less, he's going to sell it, right? and he's not going to hold back. And I think what he wanted was to light a spark on the Pierre-Luc Dubois, which, as you mentioned, completely misfired and has just ended up in pure chaos. And it is lowering his trade value, because I remember like when I heard rumor that he demanded a trade, I was thinking Minnesota was the obvious pick for him. I generally thought Minnesota was the most obvious pick. We don't have a sender. Our first line center right now, as a Minnesota Wild fan, is Victor Rask. Yeah, that guy who we traded Nino Niederreiter for. <laughs> yeah, that that I, that trade still haunts me. If you want to ask, I will never forget Stenson for that one trade. Um, but yeah, that we have so many good wingers: Fiala, Caprisa, so many good wingers. Kelukuban was an automatic fitness in the city, and because of the work effort. Things sour so much that Minnesota, I don't think Bill Gorin wants to even contest this because you want a player who plays hard. You want a player who plays for the team on front rather than the name on the back. And that is a classic statement that always comes back like as a cliche. If you think the name on the back means more than the name on the front, you shouldn't play the sport, plain and simple. Um, and it seems like that's kind of the incentive that a lot of hockey fans at least have gotten. And I think the worst part must be for the Columbus Blue Jackets fans. They must be feeling awful about this. Yeah, well, it's interesting because most fans have taken from everything I've been watching and listening to Torch's side more so than uh, Doobie's side. So I think uh, if he goes somewhere else, his mentality probably will shift because I think the whole thing is he doesn't want to be coached by Tortorella. Once he leaves, he'll probably be free and loose like he was at the start of his career, which it still really is. It's his third season. But the start of his career uh, before he really had all the issues with Columbus. But I agree with you, Frederick. Uh, Minnesota would definitely make sense because you guys got Rossi coming up the pike. Erickson Eck has looked really good for you this year. But yeah, Rask should not be a top-line center by any stretch of the imagination. I definitely He's more of a third-line center, and uh, that's why uh, I definitely agree with you. That would make sense, but um, Eric Sinek is playing well. Maybe you guys oh, can move him up. Oh, but yeah. oh, oh, trust me, that's the most disgusting thing on Minnesota Twitter at the moment is why is Eck not in on the first line? Like, why is he not just centering Caprice of Fiala? What is happening? That is literally every single minute of Minnesota Twitter at the moment. <laughs> I guess to space out offense, that would be the only thing I can think of. Well, we have a third, third lined up just for us. That's the one reason. Yeah. But, uh, Luke, for you, uh, what would be your team if you're thinking of a team that you might think uh, he would want to go to? Or would you want him to potentially come to your team? Um, the problem is is that the Devils have too many centers already. We have a lot in the center, can't, center area. And sure, he can play left to Wing, but I feel like there's something I don't think he's a really necessary fit here because we have a lot of young talent. And true, we could use a um a veteran player to really maybe get like like a sort of like what Kyle Palmieri is, but I don't think he really fits in that area to us. And I feel like if he wants to go to a team that has needs a lot of center help, I feel like Detroit is definitely the best option for him per se because I feel like Detroit is really lacking that sort of center that really could not put them on the map, but they're in a rebuilding phase, and I feel like Pierre Dubois looks a perfect opportunity to really help center that Red Wing core about like those young players, especially with like Dylan Larkin. Like he could really use um, that type of assistant, and that guy's like really, really fast. And I feel like if you give him a not on the line with Pierre Dubois, but if you give him an opportunity to play with him, I feel like you could see a big increase in uh, Dylan Larkin's um, play, and I feel like that really will help that young core maybe 
play a little better. Maybe not like maybe not to get them into superstar status, but I feel like that's really going to help them. You know, get 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 them a little bit out of the rebuilding phase. Yeah, and Detroit's also been playing people a lot tougher than people expected early on this season, too. So if they keep that up, definitely adding a guy like Dubois with Larkin, you'll be able to loosen up his skates a little bit and not have as much pressure on him. Yeah, that would definitely make the most sense for the lesser, like the lower of the league teams, because I don't see a lower of the league team like Chicago going after him at all. So I think Detroit would definitely be the rebuilding team if a full blown rebuilding team goes after him. It would probably be them i agree with you on that a team for me that i've just been looking at just because i've saw that there were rumors to them and obviously this team needs to bring some success to their team otherwise they're probably not going to be in that area much longer and uh that would be uh florida because when i was reading stuff i just saw part of the rumors were potentially to the panthers because if you look at the panthers they got E2 Listerinen, who's a rookie, as their third-line center and Noah Kari in every day. You probably should have one of those guys be more of your depth guy, and, and then you would have a good three-deep center because Alexander Wenberg is not really a top-six player. He's more of a third-line center and, some, and like a slide Swiss Army knife player that can slide up when you need him. So if you had Barkov, then you had Dubois, then you had Wenberg as your third-line that would really, I think, help their offense be able to come into place because as long as guys like Duclair and Verhege and others keep playing well, I feel like Florida could be a fit because we know the Panthers got to keep bringing something down there. Otherwise, that team's going to run out of life down in Florida. Oh, yeah. uh, I will say one of the things is like, how do they trade for him? Like, what do they give in return? Because I know there was talk about a straight swap for Barkov, which doesn't really solve the center depth whatsoever for any of the teams. No, that's why I that would, that didn't that would, make sense to me either. I agree with you. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, but that would just be a mental trade. Like I, what I've seen so far on Twitter is that apparently Winnipeg is the front runner at the moment, which is interesting. Like they, I don't think they particularly need the center with Daphne. So unless Daphne is involved, yeah, Winnipeg definitely would be interesting. Um, I agree with that. I don't. I don't know if he would go to Winnipeg. It is definitely or... a line. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm thinking, like line for Dubois. That would be explosive. Yeah, like, that could be what they're like, thinking. It kind of makes a little bit of sense for both teams to get. I still think his trade value is good. Dubois' trade value is absolutely still good. Yeah. But, yeah. It, it, line it, has also kind of been out of like out in talks about trading so could be yeah that could definitely be a one for one it would be interesting because line a came out this year and other than the one game he didn't play obviously has looked really has looked uh really really good so I feel like if you uh, take him out when he's now on, I think, the COVID list, if I'm not mistaken, Line is one of the guys that might be on. Oh, no, 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 that's right. He injured his upper body in day-to-day, my mistake. But uh, he has uh, a pretty good start to the season. So I feel like if you're going to move on from him, you might work, but you're also getting rid of a lot of offense. He's had uh, three points in the one game or the two games he played so far before – going out with the injury I feel like you're gonna have to find offense from somewhere else because Dubois has more offense in his game I think but he's not Patrick Line you're really you're trading one of the league's best snipers to get a center that's why I could see it happening it's just someone's really gonna have to step up uh in the scoring effort you're gonna have to have a guy like uh Nikolai Ellers probably produce more goals or something like that that's just the only thing that would worry me if Winnipeg did a one-for-one there. But, uh, Luke, do you have anything else you wanted to say on the Dubois topic, or did we want to move on to Freddie Anderson in Toronto? I feel like this is just a poor handling. But I said it already, but it's a poor handling by the Blue Jackets. And if I were the Blue Jackets, I wouldn't select the Rangers as a trade destination because you've already seen what they could do with Rick Nash and Artem McFinner, and you don't want them to have another successful Blue Jackets, do you? 
No, I would agree with you on that. That's going to probably annoy the heck out of their fans if they were to trade him to the Rangers because that just gives them a much higher success rate because of what you just said. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Okay. What a statement in that. Like, the greatest thing would just be it'd be funny for the sake of uniting Panarin with uh, Dubois. That's the one thing that would make that trade funny. Like... Imagine that combination once again going going together. That'll, that'll be damn interesting. Yeah, that's true. They would be. It would be good for the Rangers for sure. That's why I definitely see what Luke's saying. I don't think they're doing it because that would just be playing into the hand of making that trade not work out in your favor unless if you really got the Rangers' top prospects back and the way you dealt with the situation. I highly doubt that's going to happen at this point. So... That's just the way I look at it there. But we can move on now to another very debated topic in the hockey circles by one of uh, hockey's teams that their fans are always buzzing Twitter, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, And that will be on how Freddie Anderson is going to be handled post this season. He's in the last year of his contract. Um, So far this year, he's been pretty good. Uh, but what do you think they're going to do? And I'll start with Luke on this one, since I started with Frederick last time, with Freddie Anderson. Do you think they'll keep him as the starter or they'll move on and trade for somebody or use a free agent? Well, here's the way I see Freddie Anderson. He's been probably one of the better, well, probably the best um, goalie for the Maple Leafs they've had in several years. And letting him go because of the contract might be a, a, not a big mistake, but it's certainly something that the basically should probably try to let that happen, try to avoid. You saw how Finney Anderson played, and yeah, the Maple Leafs didn't exactly get very far in the playoffs, but you could see a lot of flashes from him. Um, if, the Red, if the Maple Leafs are trying to go for younger players and they want to see if they can work out a goalie for the younger position, um, it's something that they could try, but I don't think it would work out. I feel like Freddie Anderson is doing pretty much what he can to exactly give you what you're asking from him, and I feel like if you sign into another contract extension, this is something that would really help out the Maple Leafs, especially with not not the way they play their defense, but I see Fred Anderson, you know, really making a lot of saves, and especially with the way he's playing, he's has a lot of he's been having a lot of good games, and I feel like keeping him would be probably the best option the Maple Leafs could do. You just need to get him another backup. Yeah. Um, I feel like, yeah, if Jack Campbell doesn't emerge as more of a 1B, like I said before the show, he seems more like an actual backup and not that guy like the Halak that's going to really spell the starter. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, Anderson probably seems like a guy similar to Reyes that does his best when he's not overused in the regular season and has a guy that can spell him a little bit more. But, uh, Frederick, what do you think of the situation with Freddie Anderson and what they should do or are going to do? Well, I've, I've already become the arch enemy for most of Leafs Twitter on this topic anyway, so I might as well continue it. Um, I first of all think that a lot of the fans have overreacted over the past year, where Freddie Anderson has been kind of more human when, than we've been used to. Seeing him, like, when he came to the league, he was absolutely fantastic, and he has been so good. But I think last year he had a dip in form, and especially, especially the past... Like 2020, it hasn't been his greatest. He has made well, a Frederick, lot of errors. Well, Frederick, quick question, though. Uh, do you think that's because of your change of style of defense from coach, from coach with your new coaching system, potentially? That Maybe definitely that I think that plays a massive part of it. I also think it's the fact that over his time at the with the Maple Leafs, he has yet to play a season less than 50 games. Yeah, yep. the, the least he has played in a season is 52 games. That is overworking your starting goal. Like, he has played 66 games two seasons in a row when he arrived. That is absurd. I know he's good, but you can't ride a goalie like that. Um, McElhaney was fine, but again, he was a backup. He played back-to-backs, and that was it. You cannot ride a goalie like that. It's front of a defense, let's be honest. It's not been great to watch the Maple Leafs defend. They have left Freddie out to drive so many times. Uh, where he has been forced to make big save after big save after big save. Like, a lot of the times, he's had, like, 30 shots plus towards him. Eventually, that's going to hit a goalie. Eventually, he's going to have a bit of a dip in form. And I think this season, he has actually started out really well, bearing, like, the first game he played, where I didn't think he looked good. He had a lot of bad errors against Sotomayor, but 
outside that sim that game, he has been looking solid. Like it, I don't get where all the Jack Campbell should be the starters comes from. I really don't. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's been good. I'm I've always been a guy that represents uh the goalies, you see that from the other podcasts I do, so I have no argument there. I think he's a good position goalie that's uh, been good. Uh, that's one of the positions I first started at when I played at, uh, roller hockey before I learned how to skate. So I'm, I've always been into the goaltenders. Um, and uh, I think he's going to be your best option, too, because if you look at the free agent market coming into this year, unless if you're trading for somebody, it's not vast. Bennington is staying with St. Louis, most likely. And oh, then yeah. Pecorine is old. So you're going to want to sign a 38-year-old goaltender as your starter. Uh, Rask seems like he doesn't really want to play out of Boston. So I feel like he might be a guy that's playing in Boston or retiring, uh, per, in my opinion. And then you have a bunch of other guys that are 32, 33, et cetera, or borderline starters like the group hours and Morazic's uh, of the world. The reason why I also think it's best to keep with him is he's been one of the top 10 guys when he first started his career. I mean, being able to play 66 games, like Frederick said, and actually have keen success uh, for those back-to-back years is a huge accomplishment. And I think he should be rewarded with it for being able to stay in this next building up of what's going to be a good Maple Leafs team. Cause they already have the offensive foundation. Now you just got to do like Frederick was saying, get your defensive foundation in order. And then you're beset once you have the protection in front of them. That's just the uh, way I feel about it. But Luke, what are your feelings on it? Um, just the Maple on just Anderson. Yeah, on Anderson and what you think the Maple oh. Leafs should do with him. Well, as I just said, I feel like they should just keep him because, you, as you said, you guys have a good team. And Freddie Anderson, is especially the good part of your team you need, especially um, with um, getting, getting having a good goalie, basically. So I feel like you guys need, especially Freddie Anderson, if you can't – I mean, if you lose him, it's not really all that bad. I just feel like if you get a better – Okay, I'm sorry. If you get if you get a goal, I thought Freddie Anderson's great. Freddie Anderson's great. He's probably one of the best parts of the maybe in the past several years aside from Matthews. But I feel like he's definitely something that really he's he's a really good goalie at the end of the day. And I feel like you need to keep him because of what he's done for your team. And I feel like that's where that's what maybe we have to decide. Is this is Freddie Anderson worth keeping, or are we going to try to change things around to get change things around to see if we try something new or something like that you know yeah yeah and i think you have to offer some stability and frederick i'll go back to you for this being you're one of the maple leafs uh guys um some stability to your team which is a big thing via the net when you have stability back there when you've been so willy-nilly with your defense the last couple years trying to figure it out i think it's big for fans to have stability in two places in net and with their offensive forward team now you, they just have to over-worry about the defense all the time. But what do you think about that? Well, first of all, I actually think they started getting somewhat of a fun foundation for the defense. I think Jake Musson and JT Brody is good science, signings for them. Agreed. Yeah, defense. those are the top two. Yeah, with Riley, yeah, agreed. Yeah, exactly. That That's just a really good defense that makes a lot of sense to have. And I think Freddie, back when he was with the Ducks, he showed how good he can be when he has a defense in front of him. He can take you to an Eastern Conference final. A, people say he always crumbled in the playoff. He took the Ducks to an Eastern Conference final. Like, he... It, it, or a Western Conference final, sorry. Uh, but he took him far. He only... He lost to the the Blackhawks, who were the, like, absolute dominant team at that era. Yeah, so they were the... That yeah, they Welcome to the Ducks dynasty or the Blackhawks dynasty. You won't win. Uh, but yeah, he, he did good. He took him to a game seven uh, in the Western Conference final as the starting goalie. Like, that's not nothing. That's not crumbling each playoff. Like, I don't get where that narrative comes from. Um, I get that, yes, he has lost a lot of game sevens against Boston. Well, again, people say he always crumbled as it always sits old in game seven then don't make it go to a Game 7. Yeah, that's a good point. Your team should be able to uh, finish the series sooner or later every now and again rather than always having to go to Game 7. That is a very good point. Um, I agree with you, though. You guys have built a defensive. With bringing in Brody and Muzzin was huge. I think it's more filling out the – 
bottom line is uh, Dermot going to develop into what you want him to develop to, and is Zach Bogosian going to work in your defensive system? Because uh, before we move on from Toronto, a guy I just wanted to touch on is your one defenseman, Justin Hall, and how well he's doing. Do you have any thoughts on him? Um, I think Justin Hall has, uh, has developed quite, quite nicely. I think he's finally showing that potential that I think a lot of people who watched him in the AHL, especially kind of always knew he had. I think he's taking that next step this season. Um, I think last game he, they played against um, Edmonton, he was, it's one of the few times I've seen where McDavid has actually been shut down in a hockey game. He generally just shut down the best player in the entire world and made him look like nothing. That's quite substantial. Uh, so I think he's taking some strides, which is good to see. Again, they need a good top four. And I think he is the final piece of that top four. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I think that definitely goes with that. Uh, Luke, did you have any more wrap-up points for the Maple Leafs or on the Freddie Anderson topic before we moved on? Um, no, I think you. Really, I think we covered it pretty well. Okay, cool. Then we'll just move on now. Uh, we'll just shout out a couple guys uh, that were able to get their first goals tonight, and we'll do this if people score while we're on. Uh, Dylan Cousins, who dominated the World Junior Circuit, was able to snipe his first goal uh, for the first goal of his career today, which was obviously huge for the kid. Uh, great to see him be able to do that. And then for Toronto, uh, Adam Brooks was able to get his first on a deflection in front of the net, who was a very solid player uh, for the Toronto Morleys in 18-19 and also produced 20 points in 29 games uh, last year. So he seems like a guy that might be a sneaky surprise type guy maybe for Toronto if he keeps doing his thing out there. But that's just a shout out to a couple guys that scored their first career goals. Do you guys have any thoughts on those guys? Well, <laughs> Adam Brooks kind of reminds me a little bit of almost Andreas Johansson. Uh, for the Leafs, like someone who suddenly just burst into the scene, like, okay, this is my spot now. I will play in it and the rest of it will follow steadily. Like, He's one of those late bloomers that you sometimes see that is like, okay, you kind of forgot that they were a prospect, and then suddenly the person and you go, oh yeah, they were actually quite good at some point. And it's it's that whole scenario. And again, first goal, always fun. Always a great moment, and it's one that they remember no matter how greasy it is. So congratulations to the guys. Yeah, agreed. Definitely echo that. Luke, did you have anything to say on that? Um, yeah, this is one of those prospects that Really had him. We saw how impressed he was at the World Juniors, and especially when he was playing with Canada. But now that you saw him play with Buffalo tonight, he's he's going to show a lot of um, lot of high potential, especially with a Buffalo team that's working with like stars like Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel. Like this Buffalo team could actually do a lot, um, do a lot of great things, especially now that they have a young player like Dylan Cousins. Yeah. Yeah, for Buffalo, I think it's going to obviously depend on how their goaltending comes into place and how their defense comes into place. That's been the two question marks for them. I don't think offense is much of an issue with the players they brought in now. I definitely agree with that. And I don't really think goaltending, I agree with Morty Biron brought that up, is as big of an issue for them either. I think it's they just can't get a good defensive foundation in place for some reason in Buffalo other than their top guys with Aristolainen and others. But other than their top guys, they don't have a bottom three. They just keep trading for guys like Montour that didn't work out for them. So I hope like you said, Luke, for Buffalo fans, we know they're some of the craziest fans on the planet. They're able to put something together for sure. But um, our next topic that we're going to bring up is going to be talking about, um, and I'll turn it over to, actually, I don't even remember. What did we want to bring up as our next topic? Wasn't it the COVID uh, thing? Like the oh, that's COVID right. Yeah, we did want to do that's, I yeah. Yeah. Go to our last topic. So, yeah, we definitely don't want to do that. Our next topic we wanted to bring up was who's on COVID protocol and who's been affected the most. And uh, one guy that has been on COVID protocols is Mackenzie Blackwood uh, for the New Jersey Devils. And Luke, who covers the Devil, is going to touch on that for you guys. So, Luke, how about you give us some feelings on that? All right. This is perhaps the biggest loss of the Devils so far of the season. You saw in those first three games um, how McKenzie Blackwood had the heart, especially playing against teams like the Bruins and the Rangers, who have these very powerful possessions. And having him trying to help out this team, trying to help out the Devils who are young and don't play a lot defensively, 
is what happens the best thing you can possibly have. And losing him is the worst thing you can have. And I wrote a piece about that last... Yeah, I wrote a piece about that yesterday, about how Mackenzie Blackwood um, could basically remove how the Devils play. And we saw that last night against the Islanders where the Devils could barely get anything, any offensively, any, yeah, any offense uh, available. And when they put Scott Wedgwood in, he gave up four goals, but that's because he may be bad, but I feel like he was trying his best. And if the defense was helping him out, if the, yeah, if the defense was helping him a little out and they tried to push, maybe tried to get a little more aggressive on Barzell and Everly, that could have really made a big difference. But aside from, but you losing Mackenzie Blackwood, who is perhaps your best star, aside from like maybe Jack Hughes and Ty Smith, which I'll cover later once you get to the end of the show, but this is especially you losing a goalie who is averaging a lot, averaging a lot less and giving, a, he's having a lot, he's having a stellar beginning of the season so far. And that's where, that's what I love to see from him, especially with the fact that we ne- we would never expect, we never expected this to happen. Um, we have this kind of stuff the season and now that he's going to be out for a couple of games, it's really going to derail this team. And especially for the first next couple of games of once. Because once he returns, I feel like he's going to really bring the heart. But it really does. It just It's awful for him to be out like this, especially, by the way, since he's playing so far. Yeah, no, he definitely came out, as I agree with you, as the best, uh, not just the best young goaltender to start the season, but uh, the best probably goaltender to start the season in general. So, yeah, I definitely uh, concur with what you said about his start. That's definitely a huge loss. We also found out the Carolina Hurricanes, due to their COVID outbreak, had tomorrow's game, which they were hoping was originally when they could bring them back postponed also so now the earliest looking at the schedule their schedule for is tuesday the 26th so hopefully by then you would hope that they're able to be cleared of the protocol the warren fogel jordan martin or jacob slave and jordan stall and tivo tiravine and are all who are on protocol for carolina because if they have to come back with those guys out of the lineup they're not doing much because <laughs> those are some of their mainstays in their lineup and they have depth, don't get me wrong, but they're going to have guys playing that are not NHL ready yet if all those guys are not ready by next Tuesday. It's uh, it's terrible. Like Again, it's like a bad situation. Like, they play the game, and they will play without all of their stars. But at the same time, if you don't play the game, it will be rescheduled, and you'll just have a very, very, very tight schedule, which is going to really hurt down the stretch because we already started late in the season, and yes, I know it's a shortened season, but it's still going to be really hectic, especially towards the end, to get all the games done. And yeah, it's going to be... It's not good news for the Carolina Hurricanes whatsoever. No, uh, I agree, and so those are two teams that are heavily affected uh, by it. Another team that just recently got heavily affected by it that was announced today, actually... Uh, is the Red Wings, um, according to the uh, Sporting News, uh, one that updates every couple hours, had Adam Earn, uh, Robert Fabry, uh, Gagne, Merle, and Philippe Zadina, Zadina probably being the biggest name out of all those guys, uh, hit the COVID-19 list. And they've been a sparky team, is probably the right word to use, early that have been playing better than most have anticipated. So having those fast skaters out and a uh, good just veteran guy that's a good forechecker in Gagne is not going to really help them on that front. Wouldn't you guys say so? Oh, yeah. It's, it's especially, again, they have actually been playing with a lot of energy, and I've been super impressed by how they played. Yes, they, from time to time, been relying a lot on goaltending, but they found a way to stay competitive a lot more than I think they did last year. And, yeah, it's it's interesting now because they have, had all the adversity thrown at them even before the season began. Now they'll get even more. Are they even gonna? Are they gonna break or are they just gonna fight on? Because that's what a an interesting team can do is no matter how much you throw at them, they will find a way to 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 stay competitive in games, and that's almost the scariest team to play. So, yes, yeah, and I think. Uh... I think uh, Carolina, for the guys that we listed that are out for them, right? we know Rod Brindamore is a coach of that such. You could probably have half of your AHL team in, and somehow you still would play a competitive game just because of the way Rod Brindamore tends to somehow pull the most out of everybody. They can have a 42-year-old Zamboni driver 
waiting for them. <laughs> yeah, it's their goalie, and then they yeah. still yeah. yeah. Example, their defense, their defensive system is just ridiculous. They let a Zamboni driver play half of the game and still win. Who, by the way, works for the Toronto Maple Leafs. How yeah. do they do? I, oh, I wish we'd done the podcast that time. That would have been interesting. <laughs> but Luke, what are your thoughts on the couple teams we mentioned with Carolina and Detroit missing out some of their key guys? Um, I feel like Carolina really hasn't gotten that greatest season so far i mean it's not it's not really that big for them in terms of like how they've been playing so far it's not really those big of losses but i think that detroit detroit has been playing pretty well so far and they haven't i feel like they've not lost those type of key plays i apologize if i have not been paying attention to what you guys are saying but i feel like detroit detroit's definitely for the players that detroit did lose they are they aren't they could gain some that they could gain like negative play from it, and this could be something that really could affect Detroit. Especially, by the way, they haven't been playing at the beginning of the season. I, I just, I, I'm, I feel like these teams could probably rebound once they come back, and perhaps maybe make them stronger. I haven't been paying attention to all, all I've been seeing is Mackenzie Blackwood, so I apologize for that. So I, I think Carolina and Detroit are definitely going to become maybe, maybe a little better when when those, when those players come back. Yeah, I think another team, as much as Luke and I probably don't want to mention them because we don't really like them too much, but uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins have Kasperi Kapanen out, and their 5-on-5 play has been solid already, but you would assume with a guy like him who's supposed to be in their top six when he comes back for everything coming out of Pittsburgh is going to help their offense more because now they keep throwing one of their young rookies or one of their other just younger players in the top six with uh, Crosby and everybody all the time until Kapanen comes back. So you got to imagine some of their struggling defense will be even aided more by another offensive weapon in Kasperi Kapanen. The problem with Pittsburgh is they need to get their defense in check. <laughs> Again, also, it's it's still the question is, can Kasperi, what is Kasperi Kapanen going to be like on Pittsburgh? You have no idea what that's going to be because – Again, they traded a lot for Kasperi Kevin, and that trade I still feel was overextended. Like, I think Roman Radiana Amiro, for instance, is a better is going to be a better player for the future, and I feel like Pittsburgh made a desperation move in the whole trade. So again, it he was already kind of up against it, I feel, and now being out for the first part of the season, he's gonna have a lot of starters to to disprove, and uh, it's gonna be interesting what he can do. Yeah, I agree, Luke. Do you have any thoughts on that on one of our rival teams? <laughs> you know what? I, I know. I, even if it, even if it's against one of our rivals, Penguins, I mean, they haven't gotten the start that everyone had predicted them. Well, most people would have predicted them too. And you're losing. They're not losing key players like Crosby or Malkin. I mean, Casper. I mean, we saw what Casper Kapanen um, is. He worked in Toronto, but I don't think he's working out here. And We've seen, well, as right now, we're seeing, I'm watching the Rangers Penguins game, they're tied at three. We just, I just see a lot of miscommunications from the Penguins this season that I'm really surprised. I thought they would have become out one of the teams that were a lot stronger at the beginning of the year, but surprisingly, they've been lack, they've been a lackluster team, especially with the amount. Well, but then again, they are getting older. Like, why do you trade for Cody CC knowing that he's been terrible for most of his career? It's like, it's like, uh, with, it's like with the Rangers. Last year was like the, the first year he rebounded a bit. I agree with you. Yeah, I don't understand they, that. They okay. played a defensive line with, with Matheson and CC for, for for a few games. That is still like, why? Why would you do that? Yeah. I mean, it's like with the Rangers and Jack Johnson, too. Why would they trade for someone? Why would they trade for a defenseman that clearly is not good? Like, I don't Didn't get they just sign yeah, him in free agency for like no reason whatsoever? That was, they had him, uh, Jack Johnson, they had uh, last year, because now the Rangers picked him up in the offseason, and I remember at first, Rangers fans were like, nice, we have a veteran defenseman that can help mentor a young guy, it's going to be cool, and then I was on Twitter the other day, and Jack Johnson was trending on Twitter, and I'm like, why in God's name is Jack Johnson trending, and it was because he made the biggest blunder in the game, and was one of the main reasons they lost. I don't remember which game it was, but one of their games a couple. Wasn't it against the Devils? Because I heard that. Yeah, I think I it was like, against the Devils, but he cost like five goals. Or no, something. but it, I don't remember him doing anything. Like the only, I don't remember him doing anything that bad aside from maybe escaping Hughes or something. 
Maybe I, like he let I, Jesus escape or something like that. But that made, that was probably Chuba. I think the problem was he was half the time he was basically screening his own goalie for the majority of the time. <laughs> he, he was just not doing anything, and he just stood in front of the, his yeah. own goalie like, "I will block shots." And he's yeah, in like front when of you, you. Blo- I'm like. <laughs> I agree. Like when you block shots, you have to know what lane you're in. You can't block your own goaltender. Like that's not helpful at all. You're just counterproductive first, at that point. <laughs> first of all, if you want to block a shot, don't do it and be in front of the goalie. Move out and block it in front of the shot so it never even gets into the area where there comes a rebound. Like you block it from far away. You don't block exactly. it in front of the goalie. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Jack Johnson, um, he's had um, a tough time since the start of his career for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why uh, he always gets uh, these minutes that teams think they could all of a sudden put him in their top four again at first, and then he's going to work out. And then they're like, oh, never mind. That didn't work. It's like, well, no kidding. Yeah, he's not really that type of defenseman. He was that about seven years ago. You're about seven years too late. So, like, there's also, uh, yeah, there's also begs the question do teams should stop? trying to go for old guys because they think that it's veteran, the veteran's uh, ship is going to help them. But as it turns out, it's like, didn't the Penguins have the same problem with Brandon Tanev like a year ago? Yep. Yeah. Penguins had, had, had that issue since they won the last cup, I think. Yeah. I think Pittsburgh's just trying to hang on to hope. I think they're a team that never wants to retool or rebuild. They just want to always be somewhat competitive. So for some reason... They just keep screwing themselves over, getting rid of picks and prospects and stuff for the future just to bring in the Tanivs, like you mentioned, and all those good, the Kasperi Kapanins uh, and the Zuckers of the world. Um, when, <laughs> but, like, they, they're trying to stay relevant when everyone knows you're kind of starting to age a bit. You would be much more productive by bringing in assets for some of your aging talent so you could expedite the next future Penguins rather than oh, what they're yeah. doing now. But. You know, I don't need to help Pittsburgh anyway, so do what you want to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree, though, but, but yes, it's, again, spinning the hamster wheel of mediocrity. Welcome to the life as a Minnesota Wild fan. That has been our stigma for the past long time, but I finally think we're getting out of that. But I think we'll move into that top, next topic with that, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think we covered it all really well. Um, and then our last topic was just going to be some surprise teams uh, that are impressing us thus far. And that was a very good segue by Frederick there accidentally to mention the uh, his Minnesota Wild because they're definitely one of those teams. So I'll go to you first. What do you think of Cam Talbot, number one, as the goaltender you signed right at the start of free agency and the team as a whole with how they're surprising early? Um, well, Cam Talbot, to mention him first, I, I think he has been solid. I actually think he's been been good. He's been a bit rusty, and in in the first few games where I think he had just again a lot of players have this where because of COVID they haven't played in a long time. They have a lot of like rust. They need to just kind of get used to being back on the ice, taking shots, especially without a training camp uh, with with preseason games and everything like that. So I think that was why he needed to just adjust himself. But he's been solid for. For a good while now, I, I can just tell now that he's injured, which is terrifying. But yeah, that's got to be fun. But um, for Minnesota, it's, it's a transition season. This is not a season where I have any expectations for them. I just want to see basically Kirill Kaprizov work his magic. I just want to see him play as well as he can and just have fun with it. And he, he by the way, if you haven't had a chance to watch Kirill Kaprizov, Go watch a game with Minnesota. Uh, it is actually generally really fun to watch him play hockey because he is such a nifty player. He is such a smart player. And he is kind of that... It feels a lot like when Toronto suddenly had Austin Matthews. Like that massive... That player who can win your game on his own. It's that kind of feeling there is to it. So that to me is why. And then we have just found a way to win games that we lost in the past the season so far. So, yeah, things are, things are looking good. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think uh, for Kaprizov, and I agree, in the first game, Calvert looked like he was leaving some rebounds out, but then he settled down to start the year as one of the best uh, GAAs and save percentages, not calculating the game that he got injured in with a two two seven and a nine two six. So he definitely after that first little rust period a bit, definitely settled in, I agree. But yeah, Kaprizov, I actually set out uh the day he made his debut, I put uh 
for which I believe was last Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. I set yeah. out time of my schedule where I was like, yeah, I'm not doing anything for these two and a half hours, and I'm just <laughs> watching uh, Kirill Kaprizov debut in, in with Minnesota because he is one of those players that when he came over from Russia, he brought the excitement of the Kovalchuk. He brought the excitement of the big-time dudes coming over, and you had that again, especially because you were waiting for him for his KHL contract. You were waiting for it to expire from a guy you drafted in 15 so he could come over here. So it's been a little time coming. And obviously it's uh, got off to a skyrocket of a success. Well, getting a getting an overtime winner <laughs> tends to help on the hype. Uh, that's, that was just a perfect game uh, for Minnesota. Um, and a perfect start for him. Again, he's founding his game and he's playing. I think what has always impressed me the most is the fact that I think he just got an assist, by the way, on this play. <laughs> I think he has just got an assist. But what I've me the most is that he's able to actually play on the boards as well. He's going into, he's working hard and he's he's being that dominant factor, not just in terms of his shooting or he, when he has to puck, but also off the puck. So that's something I've been very impressed by. Yeah, that is true. Uh, a guy that I also was impressed by that, he hasn't played uh, much yet with them, but the games he was in was coming over in the World Juniors and when he's been in his Stutzler, coming over from Germany, I didn't realize how uh, physical uh, he was. Like, I thought he was more of a big guy that used his body to be more skilled. And then when he came over, uh, I got to see how much he has no problem whatsoever getting up in your face and uh, telling you who's a boss there to uh, try to really bring his team into the game. And I think that's a huge added entity for the Ottawa Senators because they have skill on their team. They just don't have other than Brady Kachuk, obviously. Uh, a guy that's going to get in front of somebody and really stand in their face and really challenge them and not back down from anyone. And it seems like a young guy like Stutzla, who had a point in the two games he's played so far, is already a guy that's not scared of anybody. So that's a great guy to have. Uh, a guy that I was not surprised how he did in the World Juniors, but I've been surprised how much in the two games he played he was willing to use his body and has a very great first goal that he slapped out of the air as it just landed on the assist. So if people didn't see that highlight, you definitely have to go check out Tim Stutzler's first goal. The puck literally just landed as the player chipped a pass up in the air and he slammed it for a goal. That was pretty nice. But uh, Luke, for you, who has been a surprise uh, person or a uh, team thus far uh, this season for you? Um, I'll say from my perspective, our team has really surprised me so far um, in terms of just how they're playing. Especially when you see how um, young our offense is now, you see exactly what it can do when it's coached in the right way. And Lindy Ruff has done a lot of improvements. For example, that our fourth line with Ty Smith, um, I believe it's Ty Smith, Serengovich, and um, McLeod, while they aren't exactly getting the most done in terms of points in one particular well, particular game, you see how well they play together, and you see exactly the type of offense you want to see from them. I'll also say that Jack Hughes has done majorly improved from his rookie season. People are constantly saying that he was a bust. He will never play in the NHL. He was that type of never play. But once you saw the season where... He played on the ice. He looked a lot more different. You could see the way he's moving onto the ice. Um, you saw exactly what he did. You saw him have that three point night against the Rangers, where he was just moving. Like he was just moving quickly. Yeah, and he I beat the New York Rangers. He, like, he single handedly. Like he is so fast. It's, it's really great. I also say that Yego Shangovic, even though he hasn't done anything since his first overtime goal against the Bruins, he has looked great with his speed. I feel like that's something we want to see more about him. He may have a good shot, which can happen, but every now and then, but with his speed, oh, it's really going to be something if we could use it to our advantage. Um, I say the only problem um, with, our, well, so, some of our problems with our team are like, are some, like Nikita Gusev and Kyle Palmer, they feel sort of invisible after what seemed to be a year ago when they seemed to be on, seemed to be the top players of the team. Like, you saw how good they were last year and then this year they never seem to show up at any point um i'll also say the biggest problem is that discipline well another problem is the defense has improved a little bit but 
not that much. And it's not really a difference maker so far as, as where I could see it. And you also see the discipline of us where a lot of times we take a penalty. You saw that against the Rangers as well, especially in yesterday's game against the Islanders where Devils took a lot of penalties. And the one common penalty that I've seen all the time is too many men. I don't know what Lindy Buff is doing when it comes to try to get the team discipline and trying to get onto the ice, but he just, we have to figure out a way to stop um, uh, too many men. And especially with our special teams, um, our special teams is really bad. And this is a, this is going against both sides. Our penalty killing is pretty bad, especially what you saw last night against the Islanders, where they managed to give up a couple goals because the defense just couldn't figure out where's Jordan Neverly, where's um, Matthew Barzell. Like they could not figure out where they were. Um, you also you also have um, yeah you also have uh, the power play, which is lacking a lot. It's also lacking a lot of um, players, uh, especially when you get Nico and Brat and Sammy Bonin to come back. There's a there's a lot to be desired here, and like I said earlier in the show, when Mackenzie Blackwood went missing, that's where the Devils started to fall apart against the Islanders. And I feel like without him, he's going to be he, without him, the Devils are going to be pretty bad. So overall, I'm pretty happy the way the first four games have gone. If once Mackenzie Blackwood returns soon, and once we get um, uh, Nico, Brat, and Botnin back. It's going to be really impressive to see what this team can do with this type of young, but this time of young offense and this type of speed. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what you guys can do when uh, fully healthy out there. I definitely agree with that, and obviously Blackwood's the big um, stamping player on your team. That's been huge for you guys. So when you lose, no matter what team it is, when you lose one of the better goalies. Uh, you're not going to be able to respond from that immediately, no matter who yeah. you are. Especially with yeah, I also said our defense needs a little work because sometimes we're not yeah. we're not aggressively pushing. Yeah, what do you think about the fact that your best defensive defenseman so far, like from just me watching the games, have seemed like it's the young Smith and then Tennyson who has been bouncing around and seems to have found his place in Jersey because we know PK's not defensive, <laughs> even yeah, though his first name's PK. PK. Is- yeah, PK has been one of the stars that have not has been pretty bad here. But I love what Ty Smith is doing. He's perhaps one of the best. This is definitely worth waiting for when it comes to the Devils prospect. He was the one prospect that everybody wanted to see, and this is exactly why. You saw him with the speed. You see him assisting on plays. This is one prospect. This is probably one prospect. Like you see what he can do, and you see him spend all that time waiting for the right chance to strike to come on to the Devils team. This is exactly the right time. And now you can see why um, Ty Smith has just come on after he played in the WHL. Like, this was actually the best time for him to come on. Especially because we need a lot of defensive help. And this is exactly what we need. A young defenseman who can not only shoot, but can also with the speed. And that's exactly what we're looking for. But yeah, PK Subban pretty much is bad. Why did, why did we think this was going to be a big, exciting... Uh, yeah, big exciting uh, signing when clearly he has done nothing. Like he has done absolutely nothing for the team. It's name value. Name value is unfortunately still a thing. Yeah, yeah, they paid him for name value. It didn't work out. Maybe eventually, since Ruff is a more offensive-minded guy, he'll be able to figure him out. But he still hasn't been good. He hasn't assist this year, but is a minus three and has definitely not helped out Ryan Murray at times, who's usually his line mate, who sometimes looks like he wants to yell at PK Subban when he's looking around, going, "Where the hell is PK?" Um, but oh, yeah, I definitely yeah, go I ahead. Forgot to mention how I also forgot to mention Miles Wood, who's actually really good this season. Wood has. Yeah, Miles Wood has impressed me so far this season. Whenever you saw him in the ice last season, he, he would fall over, he would commit penalties, he would do basically a lot to base basically a lot to become the worst that was played. And he changed. He's definitely changed. His speed is good. He's not bumming into goaltenders. He's not creating penalties as much anymore. He's not falling over. He's impressed me so far. I'm I'm actually surprised. I, I yeah. like the description of he's not falling over as much. That that is a good one for an NHL player. Like, good job, you're not falling off, falling too many times anymore. Yeah. Well, he the thing with uh, Wood though is he's one of the fastest skaters in hockey. So if he can get oh, yeah. his 
handles down like he has this year and that can stay consistent, there's no reason why I don't think he'll stay as a point per game like he is now, but why he can't be a good productive point producer if he can use his speed in a skillful way and not like Luke said last year, running people into the ground and different things of that nature, um, where this year I agree with you. He's been using his speed very effectively to get in front of some guys on defense, and I hope it does work out. But um, for me, my surprise team, well, for one, has been one of my teams, the Flyers, because of how many shots they freaking allow all the time so far this season, and still are 3-1-1, and one, so go figure. Um, but they uh, have been able to, similarly to – Pittsburgh kind of have our offense in most games outweigh our defense minus when we bounce back from Buffalo and after the first period actually played a pretty good defensive game and won three nothing that's the only game I could actually call as of now a defensive game that the Flyers have played in the three one and one so don't get me wrong I'm not complaining I'm just saying it's just very surprising how well they started despite all the things that need to be tightened up. Because normally when you talk about a team that needs to tighten up their defense, like the same with um, other teams as well that we've discussed, you're not talking about them getting off to a pretty solid start. Like the same as uh, Buffalo's been competitive in games. I didn't expect them to be as competitive with their defense. So it's just surprising with the Flyers how we've been allowing so much shot. Uh, we've been able to stay in the games because our goalies are good, but they made some saves I didn't even see them making in some games because we've just left the puck right in front of the net. And that's something that definitely needs to be fixed if the Flyers are going to be the team they fully want to be and not just in limbo kind of like we were last year after coming back where you started off good, then stuck. So, like, you need to fix the little quirks, but I think they'd be fine. I think it's just surprising how hot of a start the Flyers have got off to while allowing so much shots and having so much defensive breakdowns. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have any kind of um, disappointments? Anyone who has kind of not, like, they're about to ask you what you're expecting? Um, well, I would say, one, Luke probably br brought him up uh, earlier for Pittsburgh fans. It'd probably be Pittsburgh. For me, I didn't see them being as good this year, so they're not as much of a disappointment for me. But if you're um, actually a fan of them, I'm sure you still saw yourselves being pretty competitive this year. And they're five on five and uh, kill and all that stuff that you need to be better team and compete in the to go far in the playoffs have not looked good so far. Uh, I think for me, the biggest disappointment that I have is probably one of Vancouver or the New York Rangers. The Rangers has all the talent in the world. They have such a good team on paper. Yet they only have they only have one win this season. Um they just lost to Pittsburgh as well in overtime. It's they have three points no, after four out. games. Yeah, oh shoot up. <laughs> but it's it's beyond me how you can have so much skill on that team, so many good players. And you are I think this yeah. I think the thing is that um David Yeah. Go ahead, finish it. Uh, oh, it, it's it's just you look down the roster. Panarin, Capo. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lafreniere, everyone there. But I just I think that one. yeah, go ahead. No, I, you were. I just think the problem is that David. I think the problem is that David Quinn isn't giving them a lot of time. One thing I saw from a lot of Ranger fans is that you're not giving Capo Capo uh, and you and for some reason Alexis Lafreniere, despite in the rookie season, he isn't showing the type of idea of what he was going to be hoping for. He was winning, coming from the Ocean Oceana League. He was, I believe that's what it was. And he had a lot of points in there. I'm not seeing it. Maybe it's because, maybe it's he's putting, maybe uh, Quinn's putting them on the line, on lines where he, he doesn't work. I just think he's, I think, and plus you got to say that Tony D'Angelo, yeah, he may be, he may be a really big mean person when it comes to politics, but, it shows that he's not also going on the ice either. But I think I just think the Rangers are not. I would say the Rangers are also the biggest disappointment. I really thought they would be one of the high high potent offenses, like you said, by joking. They have all this talent, but clearly they're not doing it um, with doing anything with the offense or even defense. 
Yeah, I mean, their defense, it doesn't shock me that they're struggling a bit because they did bring in Truber. They have Keandre Miller up now, which is good for them with Lingren and Fox. The problem is we talked about it with Jack Johnson. Their bottom six, or their bottom two, excuse me, their third uh, line defense is not great because Anthony D'Angelo or Tony D'Angelo, whatever you want to call him, is all offense. And then Jack Johnson is just very Jack Johnson. Yeah, very meh at this. But, like, I'm looking at this report thing. They have been playing almost 17 minutes a night. Are they crazy? Like What? Like, they, like they, need to, they need to figure something out uh, there. You can't have Jack Johnson play 1650 a night. You're not okay, going I- anywhere with Jack Johnson playing 1650 uh, a night. And uh, Lafreniere, I think, will figure it out. Like, uh, Hughes got off, like we talked about, a little of a slow start last year. And I never tendered my faith in him and it ended up working out. So I think we'll figure it out. I think it's just figuring out this whole team and they can't figure themselves out. Like you think if they play Kapu Kakamoi, they'll see an improvement from him. He did score today. He had a nice drive. He did actually get one. Yeah. Uh, He had a nice drive on the rebound. He was able to score on. I feel like in order to see improvements from him, yeah, you probably should put him with a, with a uh, Strom or somebody like that. The problem is, Bugnevich is play, one of their best players so far early on on that line, so I don't think they're going to mess with that. Where the only shot you could probably move them up with is if you go all young with Zibanejad and put them there and move Kreider down yeah. to the third line. And it'll, it would be I'm debatable. Sure, if they yeah. do I'm surprised they're not seeing more of Mika Zibanejad, despite yeah. what he's done last year. I, I'm still confused. Why do you play Jack Johnson 60 minutes a game and then not play Capital Cap were the same? What? Yeah, I don't know. They yeah. only play him a little over 12 minutes, and they play Jack Johnson almost 17 at 16.50. I know defenseman has more ice time. I know that's a thing. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam Fox you know, has the most ice time at 23, a little over 23 minutes. Yeah. Jeez. But um, do we have any more as we wrap up the show? Any more? Um teams that we think didn't produce as much. I think one that you shouted out was a pretty good one too, Frederick Vancouver. A lot of people expected them to do better. I actually uh, had them in the video. I released your people as the team because they didn't make as much moves and have as much turnover to potentially win the division, but they're starting off terrible. Uh, they have, they have yeah. a ridiculous amount of games and days. Not to, I was just going to finish with that where it's like, I think seven games in 10 days or something like that they had. So maybe that's the reason and they're turning around as it comes back a little normalcy where everybody has those stretch runs at different times in this quick season. But no, it is just like, question. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just like, one that, yeah, I was going to say the one team that hasn't that also, um, I would, I would say it would also be Colorado. They are two and two, especially with that type of roster. Colorado has a lot, like Pico Vantanen, uh, Gabriel Landis, uh, Nathan McKinnon. They have those three top players, yet they aren't producing a lot more wins. They have that. They have that power. Yeah, it, it, it again. They lost a weird game yesterday against them. Like, like when they were up two nothing, they were cruising, and suddenly they they like allowed LA into it like in a very very dumb manner, and it's it's those kind of losses that just you look at them after, afterwards, and you go, is this really as strong a team as people tout them as? Because, yes, offensively, they are they are absolutely amazing. Defensively, they look fantastic. My main issue with them is how strong is Grubauer when he needs mm-hmm. to carry the team? How strong is Friends? So, if he needs to carry the team, can they go that far in the playoff? I am not... I don't have... Colorado making the Stanley Cup finals. If I'm predicting now, I'm saying that Vegas goes and wins it against, I think I said Toronto, but I might actually change it to Montreal. That's that's going to be my bold prediction that you guys can can use against me for the rest of the season. Okay. That's a pretty good yeah, one. Will, yeah, when will, yeah. When will Dallas play their first game of the season? Uh, right they're playing now. in like two seconds, if not now. Yeah. No, oh, right, now, right now they're up two nothing with thirteen oh eight left in the second. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, my bad. I thought I thought they haven't played yet. I looked at the standings. I was like, they haven't played it. Okay. 
No, it just didn't update because they're literally playing as we speak. They, it's one of the games okay. I have. In my okay, yeah. Still right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's again. That's going to be the first story of how much of a crunch do they get hit by? You mentioned Vancouver has a crunch of in, had a very very tough start. And then now Carolina hit. is going to have one, who's one of the yeah. better teams uh, as well because of uh, the COVID outbreak. They won't be playing again until at least next Tuesday. Oh yeah, it's just like it's gotta be very rough to see what those kind of schedules actually can do to a team. Suddenly you have possibly two two times in the season where you have like eight games and ten game days or something like that, where you are those last four games you're playing, you will literally run on fumes. Oh, I agree. I completely agree. But I think we uh, covered everything we really wanted to for you guys. We actually went a little bit over an hour, so we apologize for that to you guys. But we hope we get yeah. the show. I turn it over to Luke for uh, giving his Twitter and any other handles you want to share with the people. Yep. So you can follow me at Sonic Hockey Fan on Twitter. Sonic Hockey Fan. Okay, check out Luke on there. He does some great Devils coverage and every other team as well. When he writes on them for Overtime Rogues, please check him out. And Frederick, where can we check you out at? Um, you can check me out on Mr. Underscore France 2603 um, on Twitter. Um, and that, again, also made me do articles on, um, on Overtime Heroics and everything like that. So definitely also where you can find me. And again, I will literally post way too much on twitter i have way too much people I, many people i follow and way too much of it is hockey related but you want that <laughs> go ahead yeah, yeah, no, no it's not we want that that's what we want we need all the hockey information <laughs> from you guys that's what we want we're a hockey podcast we want everyone to tweet as much information as they can give out but you can find me on twitter at jj 26 we thank you all for joining us for the first edition of the overtime heroic hockey podcast for Luke and Frederick, I am Joe. Have a great, safe, and pleasant day, and enjoy the hockey, everybody.